Everybody's talking about this new movie, Redeeming Love. It is a book originally by Francis Rivers, who wrote it in the 80s. My wife has actually read the book, and now it has been turned into a movie. And there's a lot of controversy with regarding to the adult sensual scene. People ask me, what is my opinion on it? And what do I think about the movie? What do I think about adult scenes in Christian movies? We're going to unpack all all of that, why I may or may not watch the movie, and much more. But before we get into that, guys, we have some free resources in the description of this video. A free How to Study the Bible course over at MasterMyDevo.com. A free Find Your Niche course if you're looking to get into the YouTube space. And a free Master My Habits course that I put together with my Christian therapist, Dr. Rudy. Okay, so I wanted to give my two cents after digging away at this topic. So make sure you watch till the very end because I'm, I'm going to address some passages of scripture, and we're going to give you guys my just broad opinion on this entire sequence. Okay, so I got a rule. Usually, not all the time, but usually, I don't watch Christian films, okay? I don't watch Christian films because oftentimes Christian films have to accommodate and appease a demographic of people that is often driven by the mom who has middle school kids and needs something that's family friendly to watch. I'm I'm not sure if art thrives if everything you're doing is accommodating soccer moms, right? No disrespect to soccer moms, no disrespect to homeschool moms, but when when the when the when the target demographic for Christian art and Christian media and Christian music is that I tend to just not watch a lot of it, okay? Most of it, it's gotten better, but I don't watch a whole ton of it. That's kind of a rule of thumb I have, if I'm honest with you, because when people take some creative license on a Christian movie, you get the the the, 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 the soccer mom and the negative Nancys that go and wave their finger and say, well... This story is really about this, and how dare they take creative license, and I don't understand why, right? And so, as a rule of thumb, I don't watch a ton of Christian movies. It doesn't mean I'm endorsing what's going on in this Christian movie. That's just off top, okay? I'm going to tell you guys where I'm at with this movie in a second. But if Christian art can reflect stories that are in the Bible, even if some of them are raw, some of them are explicit, then I'm all for it. If it can't, then I think it's going to take a hit. And there's some things that I think find that beautiful middle ground. The Chosen series is one of those things that I, I'm, I think is like really well done. And so my question becomes, those of you guys that are like, ah, I'm against these sorts of things, is how much time have you spent in the scriptures? And I'm not just talking about Song of Solomon because people are going to say, that was a metaphor between Jesus and the church. Okay, let's just let's just table that. But how, many, how much time have you spent in the scriptures? Right? How much time have you spent in the scriptures? Because if people are making movies that are maybe rated R or what have you, but there's more explicit stuff in your scriptures that, that can be dramatized or not dramatized, I don't know. Let's give you an example. Wild, wild, wild story that as I'm reading through the Bible in a year, there's a story I came across in Genesis chapter 34 that I absolutely forgot. Tell me how, if the accommodation for what is Christian media is to the soccer mom and to the middle schooler, how 
Does someone dramatize Genesis chapter 34 if they were to put this in a story? Here is Genesis chapter 34. Buckle up. It's going to get raw. It's going to get explicit. You guys ready? Here you go. One day, I think you say her name, Dinah, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. But when the local prince, I think you say his name, Shechem, son of Hamar, the Hivite, saw Dinah, he seized her and raped her. Mm. But then he fell in love with her and he tried to win her affection with tender words. He said to his father, Hamar, get get me this young girl. I want to marry her. And Shechem himself spoke to Dinah's father, this is Jacob, and brothers, please be kind to me and let me marry her. He begged, I will give you whatever you ask, no matter what dowry or gift you demand. I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. Okay. But since Shechem had to follow their sister, Jacob's son responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father, Hamar. What happens next is not prescriptive. This is not prescribing something that should happen. This is describing what happened. Many times people read the scriptures to get confused. This is, pres- this is prescribing. Watch what happens next. They said to them, we couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised. Hmm. It will be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you, but here's the solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves. Went to his father, Hamar, to present the proposal to the leaders of the town. These men are our friends. They said, let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them and we can take their daughters as wives and let them marry ours, but they will consider staying here, coming on people with us only if all of our men are circumcised just as they are. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come, let's agree to their terms and let's settle here among us. So all the men in the town council agreed in Hamar with Hamar and Shechem and every male in the town was circumcised. But three days later, when their wounds were still sore... Three days later, you see where this is going? When their wounds were still sore, two of Jacob's son, Simeon and Levi, my son's name is Levi, who were Dinah's full brothers, took their swords, entered the town without opposition. Then they slaughtered every male there, including Hamar and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords. Then they took Dinah from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's son arrived, finding the men slaughtered. They plundered the town because their sister has been defiled there. They seized all the flocks and herds and donkeys and everything they could lay their hands on, both inside the town and outside in the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They took all their little children and wives and led them away as captives. Afterward, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have ruined me. You've made me stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and Pezzarites. We are so few that they would join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped away. But why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? They retorted angrily. Here's the thing about Christian media. How do you dramatize that? How do you make a PG version of that that your middle school kids can see? That you could sit comfortably next to your pastor watching. How? You don't. You can't. So it's like we, we, we follow and believe a holy scripture that is in direct opposition with the way we allow media to be done. Okay? It's generally why I don't watch Christian films. It's when you read stuff like Genesis 36 and you go, whoa, this is crazier than anything I've ever, ever seen in a movie. Right? You literally got everything. Had kidnapping, R-A-P-E. Right? You got, you got, you got. Folks chopping their, 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 their junk, then they're hurting because they're sore because the junk hasn't healed. And then someone comes in and just ravishes a town, destroys everybody, takes all their stuff. And then Jacob, the, 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 the father in this situation, kind of responds cowardly. 
Do you see how difficult it could be for creators to even Christian creatives to even show you descriptive narratives? When the bottom line consumer is a soccer mom who wants something that she could watch with her middle schooler. This is the issue with Christian media and Christian culture. So as a rule of thumb, I check out. I don't watch it based on the standards of most Christian media and how, 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 how much sticklers they are for every little thing. Um, they're not going to want to hear my thoughts about it because they just want something that they can watch with their kids. And I'm not mad at that. If you want to watch something with your kids, cool. Praise God. But in my opinion... I do think there can be a time and a place to show some of the more explicit parts of Scripture or at least gleam from the stories and not retell them literally. I don't think that was the point of this movie was to retell the story of Hosea literally. I think it was gleaming inspiration and using it more as a metaphor. Okay, so that's that. Now, you want to know what my second rule is for what I consume? I don't watch movies with sex scenes. I don't. There's no reason for me, with my background, with the things that I've been through, with the, 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 the struggles that I've had, I have no desire to watch movies with explicit scenes in them. Okay? Now, if I'm watching something and there's an explicit scene, I usually will just fast forward if I didn't know. But I'm seldom, like, like I've never desired Game of Thrones. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Never seen an episode. Have no idea. Right? Even Power, I couldn't, I couldn't continue watching Power, right? I watched some of it. I was like, it was good. Even the, the, the newer verses, I was like, this is unnecessary, right? So as a rule of thumb for me, as a follower of Jesus, I don't watch stuff that's explicit. I don't. Now, now again, if I'm watching something and a scene comes up, I'm on my iPad, I'm in my home, I can fast forward. But I'm not going to go into a show intentionally like, Game of Thrones that I know is going to be explicit and then have to fast forward around the whole show. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, right? Now, that's, that's me. And here's why. And, 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 I, and I came across this article from the Gospel Coalition that I thought was really good. I wanted to, I wanted to highlight this for you guys because I think this is a good commentary on uh, this in, entire conversation. Redeeming love irredeemably exploits actors and viewers. And it says here, which is really funny, it says, as even secular film critics like Richard Brody have noted, sex scenes are typically super floss, or I don't know what that word is, because they simply check a superficial, super, super floss, I, I'm sorry, I, English is my second language, some of you guys don't know that, uh, simply check boxes for viewers while contributing no additional dramatic or emotional significance. This is a non-Christian telling us that, by the way, when you see these scenes in movies, these adult scenes, they don't really add, add anything. They don't really add anything. They just s simply check a, 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 a box for viewers. No additional dramatic or emotional significance, right? Within the context, a movie like Redeeming Love, adapted from Francis Rivers, who is a Christian, by the way, best-selling novel inspired by the book of Hosea, might represent in the entry a new shop genre of faith-based films. We might call it gritty godliness, exploring human depravity without simplifying or sanitizing it. This runs the risk of offending those who expect only clean stories. Shout out to all you soccer moms. Nevertheless, it can address the human condition with greater realism and transparency and point more effectively to the redemptive power of the gospel. I'm, I'm with you. I'm there. I'm, 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 I like that. I think we might need this gritty godliness genre, right? And so it goes on to say that the paradigm for evaluating sexualized visual media leaves an important part of the equation. Those on the other side of the screen in the economy of the kingdom, Christians aren't called to act primarily as consumers, but as neighbors, right? Because technically there was no private parts shown 
everything is covered, I guess. There were no private parts shown. There were no, uh, there's, there's no breast revealed, nothing like that. But there's clearly thrusting and there's clearly things that are happening that they push, they even push the boundary of PG-13, right? Even push the boundary of what PG-13 is, right? And so they say, um, everything stays covered. That's the deciding factor. We, the audience, don't see any vital parts, which... Uh, satisfy the material. Never mind that two actors who aren't married to one another were required to spend hours on a film set in various stages of nakedness while simulating sexual acts with each other. Acts which scripture confines to the co- to the covenant of marriage with no exception uh, clause for performers pretending to be married. So if we're going to consume this stuff, we got to factor in these actors, the positions they're being placed in, why are they being placed in this position? Is it necessary? Does it add artistic value to it? There's a lot of layers here. And then the, where this ends in, this is kind of where, where I'm inviting actors to pornify themselves for the camera functionally pushes them away from the purifying and restoring love of God in their own lives. And then it says, irredeemable sex doesn't redeem God's love. It's a problem with a movie like Redeeming Love, um, nor the characters, nor the grievousness and immoral acts explained. No, the problem is the sexual object of, uh, objectification of human beings made in the image of God, all for a, desi- for a design to point people to God. The ends does not justify the means. Even if something is intended to be Christian, if it's done in a non-Christian way, where something is now uh, uh, actors are put in a position to simulate acts that really designed for a man and a woman, we're, con- we're, we're watching this. Maybe it would have been different if it was a, a husband and wife playing. I don't know. I don't know. But... It pushes us in this tension of where is that line drawn. And for me, as a man, I am not watching movies with these sorts of scenes. Will I watch this movie? Maybe if me and my wife are watching it and it comes up on Netflix, I'll give it a shot. But I'll have the freedom to fast forward through it if it's inappropriate, which apparently just at least two two-minute scenes that are very racy and so on and so forth, right? And so with that... My question to you guys would be, where do you draw the line of what you are and aren't willing to consume? Where's that line? Because, yes, there's explicit stuff in the scriptures, just like we looked at in Genesis chapter uh, 36. But does positioning these sorts of acts in a movie, is it necessary? Does it add anything? Could could it be condensed and simplified where it's not a two-minute scene and and it's maybe a a five-second, ten-second scene that clearly says, oh, they're going to be intimate now? right? Camera pants, right? Where does this, where does, where's that line for you? And here's the deeper question. And I want to, I really want to have this dialogue in the comment section with some of you guys. Is this a form of, and some of you guys are going to be triggered by, by me even saying this word. So just buckle up. Okay. Is this a form of Christian culture appropriation? You have folks who, a director, uh, who's not a follower of Jesus, as far as we know. So are we kind of being played with a faith-based movie that's clearly pushing boundaries and pushing lines and even pushing the lines of what PG-13 is, right? Is this a form of exploiting a niche demographic of people? And this is what I mean by niche. I'll be very specifically. I saw a thing that came out today that said uh, uh, there's uh, uh, 10 million tithers in the United States that generate over $50 billion, $50 billion to charities, nonprofits, and churches. That's a big constituency, right? 10 million people that generate over $50 billion. You are being marketed to, whether you know it or not. You are a a, a demographic of people with buying power. 
Are we being finesse? I, I mean, if you're going to tell me this is a Christian movie, where? Show me. Help me. Who? It's different when it's a, a, a Mel Gibson passion or even the chosen. You can't really screw those narratives of Jesus up. But when you start pulling from the scriptures and adding your twist on it and so on and so forth, I want I, show me your credentials. Can this director pull up to your church and, and promote the movie? Can he, can he communicate? If he were to get interviewed by your pastor, like, could that be a thing? Could he come on my channel? And it's, right? Who are these people that are pulling up and all of a sudden marketing to this demographic? It is being marketed as a Christian film. From, from everything I'm gathering, the type of influencers they're paying to, to do the, the promotion on this on social media, it's definitely being, being marketed in that way. As far as I know, the book, many people found the book very edifying. I was talking to my wife about it. She, I think she said she read the book twice. She found the book personally edifying. We'll probably end up watching it once it like hits Netflix or something um, and, 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 and check it out. But uh, we'll be able to fast forward the raunchy scenes, you know what I'm saying? But like, let's, again, going back to my first two points, I don't really watch Christian films, nor do I watch films with sex scenes, nor... Uh, do I go to the movies because I'm a dad with three little kids? Okay, so your boy is not pulling up to the movies, buying a tub of popcorn and candy, and and like getting a babysitter to go watch this. It's just not. It's just not happening. It's not in the realms of possibility for me personally in this season of my life. So I'm probably no. This is not. This is not for me. So some things to consider. Some things to consider while you're making these decisions because I think if this was if this was presented uh, as something uh, from us for us by us. Mm, is it though? You know, some good questions to have. So that that's where I would say, I know this wasn't like a, a clean, uh, do, go watch it. Don't watch it. Do watch it. I'm not watching it in theaters. I may watch it with my wife when it comes out, if she wants to watch it. Right. That will be my position on this. Uh, and, and, and as a rule of thumb, I don't watch sex scenes and I don't watch Christian movies because most of them tend to be trash. So how do we navigate this conversation? The movie is called Redeeming Love. It's being marketed as a Christian film. It has two explicit scenes. Um, it's PG-13, so I don't know how explicit they are. They're pushing the boundaries. Is it necessary? Are you putting image bearers of God in a position that is going to create more tension for them to surrender their life to Christ, like doing sex scenes, which I don't, I don't, I don't know how anyone can rationalize a Christian performing a scene like that. But this whole notion, and again, this is my issue with the Christian consumer. Hear me loud and clear. This whole notion that anything we glean from the scriptures has to be literal, I think is mad toxic. And I think you're going to hurt the arts and you're going to hurt media. Then you are going to help media. And, and media is a lot of times what helps form culture. And culture is how we can help change institutions and change trajectories of communities. Okay, so those are my thoughts on it. I want to hear from you guys. I genuinely really want to know what you guys think. Uh, let, yeah, let, let, let's keep the dialogue going in the comment section, all right? Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. If you found it valuable, consider checking out the links in this description. There is a free How to Study the Bible course, a free Master My Habits course, which I put together with my Christian therapist, and a free Find Your Niche course, as well as some of these other videos recommended from me and YouTube to you. All right? Peace.